0: Good to be in the house online around the world. I want to greet everyone from America to Europe, wherever you're looking in. Thanks for being a part of this amazing uh, online uh, uh, celebration. And uh, we started some weeks ago a brand new series about crisis because the corona has changed the whole entire world at the moment. And I really do believe, but still God is, in the, is the, in the position and God is still good and God is still able and God can still do anything and everything. My topic is uh, the forgotten crisis because there's some crises around the world. We don't think about it and we don't speak about it, but it's very important for us as a church that we speak really about those crises that nobody actually speaks about it. I would love to start with a very, very simple illustration. There was a teacher and he had a school class and, and one day the teacher, he was so, got so angry because the, 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 the school, they were so, so noisy and everything. And the teacher said, come on guys. Hey, here is the world map. And I give you something to do. And he ripped the map in 1,000 pieces. And he said, hey guys... Just set it together. And when you set together the map, just call me. And the teacher left. He thought, oh my gosh, this goes maybe three hours, four hours, 1,000 pieces. That's quite difficult to set that world together. But after some minutes, the said, teacher, we are done. <laughs> and the teacher was shocked. How in the world they were able to do it in such a fast time? And then the school said, hey, teacher, Check this out. We set the whole world together, and the teacher was shocked and said, "How in the world you were able to do that so fast? And they said, on the back of the map, there was a person, and we fixed that person and then we had the whole entire world together. Hey, isn't that an amazing picture? actually Jesus is saying to us, go into the whole world and preach the gospel, share it, heal the people. And often we are overwhelmed because we think, oh my gosh, the world is so big, endless. I have no clue, where should I start? But if you turn it around, and I think, here's the message, if you fix the one person in need, the one person who is sick, the one person who is lost, and I think then we will change The whole entire world. And sometimes we have to speak up for those people. They don't have a voice. There are so many people around this world. They are in need. They have some challenges, some issues, and they're forgotten people. And sometimes you have to speak up for those people. They don't have any voice. I think if we care about what God cares about, then God cares about... We care about. Hey, if we care about what God cares about, then God will care about what we care about. I would love to repeat it. If we care about what God cares about, then God cares about what we care about. We can read it this actually in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, will given to you as well. Hey, there are so many promises in the Bible. God is saying, if you're doing this or doing that, so you will live long, you will stay healthy, you are blessed, heaven is open. And I, I want to be honest, there are so many Bible verses that are like a benefit, like a blessing. And sometimes I would love to be a blessing hunter and just do what God has commanded us to do. Here are maybe seven Reasons or seven point that God says, if you do this, you are blessed. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the first thing. God is saying, if you honor my parents, the one family, the one person, you are blessed. And the word honor means actually in the Hebrew language, Gabet. Kabet means to be heavy but also be weighty. Why is that so important? Because often people say to me, I cannot honor my parents because you have no clue what they have done to me. Hey, really, I feel sorry because there's so much misuse in families. But God is not saying you should honor your dad and mom because they are role models or they are perfect or they're doing everything right and they're really lovely. God is saying, honor means I just give weight, I'm weighty for one reason. And the reason is that God has chosen my parents to create me and to bring me on life, on earth. And that is reason enough honor. God is also honoring you and me because we are sons and daughters of God Almighty. The first point is if you want to be blessed, give your dad and mom the weight, weighty and the honor they really deserve. A second thing is attached with the blessing is in Genesis chapter 12 verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. God has given Abraham a promise. He said, Abraham, through you, the whole world is blessed. And this Bible verse is often connected with the Israel, the land of Israel. God is saying, if you bless my people, if you bless my folk, you are blessed too. And I have no clue what is your relationship with Israel. A lot of people say, but it's a small nation. They're stubborn people and they're so hard. And how in the world can I love them? Because they're not doing everything right. But it's the same question. Why should God love you? Because we are not perfect. And sometimes you're stubborn. And sometimes our heart is so hard. And even though the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, we still stick on the plan we want to do. God is saying... If you bless my people, you are blessed too. In our church, like in the beginning of the year, the first offering we, we collect, we call it like the first fruit of the offering of the year. We give the whole entire offering away to Israel. You know why? Because the Bible is clear. If you bless my people, if you bless my nation, you are blessed to, and I believe as a pastor that the, last, the, 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 the rest of the year it's redeemed because of what we have given in the beginning of the year. This week when I read the Bible, God gave me four other reasons how we can move into the blessing zone. Zechariah chapter 7 verse 10. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. Four things God is saying. First, honor your mom and dad, bless Israel, and treat the widow in your church in a proper way. And here is a story about a person our church. It's not a crazy story, but it explains us that the church who is healthy and strong can be a blessing for people
1: in need. Hello, I'm Dieter Förster. I've been a part of ICF for more than 20 years. Five years ago, I had a terribly tragic car accident in which I ran over my own beloved wife, Ruth, with my own car. She was seriously injured. For days, ICF earnestly prayed for healing. However, after about 14 days, we had to let her go without her having regained consciousness. It was a complete surprise to me that the funeral was announced in the celebration on Sunday with a photo of my wife accompanied by a short sentence of appreciation. I thought it was amazing and great. The musicians and technicians were also involved in the design. This brought comfort. Afterwards, I experienced how many people took part in my situations, in my pain. I received many invitations for dinners, to go hiking or to join in other events. I never felt alone. Many new relationships developed. I also got support in coping with my household. I realized that this is my family. This is my spiritual home. Here I experience what living in a Christian community looks like. If we respect, appreciate, support and stand up for each other the way Jesus Christ demonstrated to us.
2: Dear ICF Church, dear ICF family, did you ever ask yourself what is a perfect church service? James, the brother of Jesus and the leader of the church in Jerusalem, he said the perfect church service if you take care in times of need of widows and orphans and if you live a godly life. That's perfect church service. And we live in a time of huge need. I mean, we have 70 million refugees on this planet. We have 140 million orphans. And we have 250 million persecuted Christians. This number doubled in the last 12 years. And with partners like ICF and other partners, ABC, Action for Christians, under persecution, we try to live out this perfect church service in in a way like this, which is shown now in Iraq refugee
3: camp a friend of mine told me I should meet up with him on my journey to the Middle East but the only thing I know about him is that he's a Christian and works with refugees inside the tent we meet Salma and what's left of her family Two years ago at dawn, ISIS fighters attacked her village. They killed her father and kidnapped her daughter. Everything else is the secondary. The food, clothes, security, even the life. Being alive or not, it doesn't make any difference. These people that lost the hope. They have no hope for future, they have no nothing to look forward to live. Even if you ask them, do you like to have a good life or do you like to have a hope, they will tell you, I need the hope. They are dying a slow death because they lost the hope. And if we understand what we have through the Jesus, and what these people they don't have because they don't know the Jesus. We forget about everything else, and we want to give that wonderful gift to them, so they can understand and know. They are so precious for the Jesus. They are so precious for the God that He give His only Son for them. Our message is: Somebody loves you more than anybody else, more than all of us. You need to know the Jesus.
2: About 10 days ago, I got a phone call of a Syrian refugee camp existing out of 240 children, one quarter of them babies. They said, we are hungry, we are starving, we are sick, we need help, we are difficult to reach, but just with a couple of thousand euros, you could help us to stay alive. And then I think, man, Lord... I mean, I'm glad that in Psalm 68, you say that finally you, not me, but you are the father of the orphans and you are the advocate of the widows. And that God finally is really taking care of the orphans. That's something what we saw a few years ago in a refugee camp outside of Syria. We took care of a camp with between 8,000 and 10,000 people, and during in the morning hours, five o'clock in the morning hours, 200 soldiers entered the camp with tanks, with military cars, and they started to drag the women and the kids out of the tents, pulling them by their hair and hitting them, destroying the food, destroying the medical care, medicine, and finally the people just were traumatized, standing there, their moral down on ground zero, and that was the moment when. God of faith, when God of hope and God of comfort stepped into the camp. He used four young converts, just two years in Christ. And these four guys, they saw one man, a father carrying his three-year-old paralyzed son on his arms. This little boy, he couldn't walk. He couldn't eat even by himself. He couldn't move his arms. He couldn't even sit by himself. And these four guys, they went to him and said, let's pray for this. At the moment they prayed, the Spirit of God hit this young, this, this, this boy of three years and suddenly he could eat by himself. Suddenly he could move himself. He could sit by himself. And he went with little crutches through the camp. Just imagine what joy, what 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 hope came back into this camp? They saw this. This God of these Christians, he's an invisible God. But finally, it is a God of faith and it's a God of facts. It's not a fake God. And we need this God of faith. We need this God of orphans. And another form of orphans, finally, are the persecuted Christians. When they are in these totalitarian regimes, in the prisons, in the solitary confinements, when they are tortured, when they are killed, when they are crushed and squashed, then that's the moment when we need this living God to step in. And I want to show you this clip of Mariam and Marcy, two young girls which have been imprisoned in Evin prison in Iran.
4: Within three years, we had managed to distribute 20,000 New Testaments in Tehran. Then we founded two house groups in our apartment. Because such activities are forbidden in Iran, we were arrested in 2009. Later that night, they took us to another prison. That was a terrible place. We had to sleep on the cold and dirty floor. It was winter and there was no carpet. The only thing we could use to cover ourselves were wet blankets and they stank strongly of urine. The guards closed the doors from 8 o'clock in the evening until 9 o'clock the next morning. The prisoners could not go to the toilet. When we started seeing God's miracles and how he used us as tools to bring the good news to other prisoners, we began to pray for other women rather than for our release. We had, almost ten courts. we had almost 10 trials, and in every trial the judges threatened us with execution by hanging. That way they tried to convince us to deny our faith. The Bible says, God has given you the grace not only to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for Christ. Because of that, I can only say that it was an honor for both of us to suffer for our faith.
2: James, the brother of Jesus said, consider it as pure joy when you face big trials. Because big trials bring forward perseverance. And in perseverance and testing of faith, God himself, he makes you complete. He makes you mature. Trials in the Bible, in the Greek it says calls perismos, which means to have huge pressure and persecution on yourself. And finally, when we become like Jesus, that's the joy coming out of it. And if we become more like Jesus, we give the Spirit of God more space to work through us, to become more an efficient tool in His hand. And if you look at the life of Jesus, I mean, Jesus Himself, He had to go through big, big pressure. His His difficult time started in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane in Hebrew means the the... the, the, the press of oil. That's the places where the olives are crushed and bringing out perfect oil. That's the place when Jesus was crushed, when He was suffering, when He had pain of of fear of death on himself when he was sweating blood. And finally, the crushing of Christ, the breaking of Jesus, that brought forward the breakthrough, which finally brings us eternal life, brings us forgiveness of sin, brings us eternal uh, life in his presence, brings us ascension, brings us Pentecost, the pouring out of the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God is poured out, then we really can see God's hand on a move and this God's hand on a move the spirit of revival moving we saw it in a Syrian desert when Jesus stood finally in front of a terrorist this terrorist he killed 16 civilians and Jesus standing in front of him and in front of this Jesus this terrorist he collapses and he sees all his sins in front of his eyes he begs pardon he begs forgiveness and when he looks up Jesus disappeared and then he went to the police the police put him for six months into a prison and after after six months he came out and he started to work as an evangelist going from village to village preaching the gospel of hope where first he was murdering people now he brings the light into the darkness and finally this is what I ask you if you are going through trials, through difficulties please, please hold on onto this Jesus because he said I am with you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week and I am with you standing next to you behind you and I am bigger and higher and stronger and taller than the biggest mountain standing before you.
0: Come on. Thank you so much, Sasha. Thank you, Leo. Amazing stories. There's so many forgotten cries. There's so many forgotten stories around the world. And I think for us as a global church, it's so important that we stand up, that we are a voice for those people don't, that don't have a voice. If we care about what God cares about, then God cares about what we care about. In Zechariah, I read already, don't oppress the widow and the fatherless, neither the foreigner nor the poor. And here is a story about a family Strupler, say, went around five years ago to Cambodia, to a very land of poverty, and they went there to plant a church. And it's amazing that after some years, stories happened. Out of one family, they have been obedient and they left the beautiful Switzerland into a nation where is so much need and poverty. And here is a story.
5: Thank you so much for letting us be a part of your celebration. Even though we are all the way on the other side of the world, here in Cambodia, we are still thankful to share with you and inspire you about what God has been doing here in Cambodia and all over the world. We are called as Christians to be the strength for people that are weak and also to bring hope to the ones that are hopeless, to be the voice for those that don't have one. And I want to start with introducing Makara to you. She is one of our great Cambodian staff.
6: So when I was young, I lost everything. I lost my house. I lost my land. And it's because of my parents. They were addicted to alcohol. And my dad would beat my mom often. And after that, we lived under our neighbor's roof. And we would go to the pagoda for food. So my dad still not changed. And then we, cha- we got chased out from the village and we have to move far away and we live in the forest. So in that forest, my mom got sick and there's no hospital. And she passed away and my heart was broken. So I was really angry with my dad. And then we moved back to live in our hometown, but my dad could not, uh, could not take care of us and i was brought and to live in the non- in an orphanage so it seems so hopeless and everything seems broken but now i find hope again i have new hope i have faith in jesus and then now i finished high school i got a new job and It's so great. Like, everything seems so bad, but now everything turns out so good.
5: Thank you very much, Makara. This story is uh, one of many stories of the people that we work with here in Cambodia. When everything turns bad, and in her case, even her dad died after she spent all her money trying to save him. Everything turns bad, but there is still hope. And this is when we, as Christians, stand up to be the voice for the ones that have lost their voice. When we help the weak that can't help themselves anymore. And when we look at the Bible, we have Jesus telling an amazing story about a king that separated all people into two groups. One people, one group of people were the blessed ones and the other group were the cursed. And the king gives all the inheritance from the kingdom to the ones that were blessed. And they ask, why do we get that? And then the king says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was naked and you gave me clothes. I was alone and you took me in. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. But they answered, when were you ever, oh great king, when were you ever naked or sick or hungry? And then Jesus says, anything you do, you ever did for the least of my people here, you also did for me. This is exactly the reason why we are staying in Cambodia, to help the people in this crisis that are in need. And what people need is more than food for their body. What they really need is hope that lasts an eternity. And this is our calling here. And when Jesus says, anything you did for the least, you are doing unto me. My question is for all of us around the world as God's people, where are we stepping up to help the people that are weak? to support those that are in need, to be a voice for those that don't have a voice anymore. And this is our calling. And that's why we are here as Christians, standing up and being that model and that Christian that we need to be in this world. Thank you. And God bless you.
0: Thank you, Pastor Andy, for sharing an amazing story, sometimes forgotten story around the world. We so easily can forget what God is really doing around the world. Hey, we cannot do everything, but we can do at least one thing for maybe for one person. For that person means a lot, actually. In Zechariah, it says four things what we should do. And the fourth thing is like also, um, look for the foreigner. For those people, they are foreigners in a nation. Because the people of God have been so many times a foreigner in another nation because they were on the run. And I think this is our job as a global church as well. If people are from, from far away in your nation, treat them with dignity, with respect, and with values. What we do, uh, what we have done actually two months ago, um, we have every Sunday after the international celebration, we give away food, away for free. We cook an amazing, beautiful, Swiss-quality food and we give it away for free. And often my people say, why in the world, in the, in the morning, for the German-speaking people, we we, we we they have to pay the food, but for the foreigner, we give it away for free. The reason is, I'm led through the Bible verse. God is saying, if you take care for the foreign people, if you bless them, If you welcome them home, you are blessed too as a church. And I think this is very important. Don't close your eyes from the foreigner. Hug them, embrace them, and give them really an amazing opportunity to feel welcome in your nations. In closing, there are six different styles. Honor your dad and mom. Bless Israel going for the poor, for the foreigners, for orphans and for the widows. And the point number seven, I would love to close. It's also a blessing attached actually in Psalm verse 22, verse 19. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Hey, check this out. There are so many promises in the Bible. If you do this, then... You are blessed. Let's be a blessing hunter going and chasing after the blessing. Why is the local church the hope of the world? I would love to close with this idea. Why is the local church the hope of the world? I know a lot of people say, but the church building or the church, it's not a perfect place. They're imperfect people. I totally agree. But imperfect people gathering, but they believe in a perfect God. But God has invented the local church to be a blessing around the world. Can you imagine if there's one church in a small village? You become like a light, a hope, a source for those people in need, for the orphans, for the widows, for the foreigner, for Israel, for mom and dad. And we become a light. And God has planted churches around the globe from Africa Australia, South and North America, Europe, around the globe. And churches are growing and flourishing and they become a light around the world. Why is the church the hope of the world? Check this out. There are lights around the world. How does God change the world? to church planting, to churches around the globe. People bringing in the ties into their churches. And our job is to equip and teach the people to be strong in Christ and going out. And our job is because the church is strong. We need money. We need resources. We need people. We're going out from places, churches to churches to be a blessing for those people in need. That's why... Those people that are planted in the house of the Lord, they should flourish. I close with verse 14, and that's an amazing promise. They will still bear fruit in old age, and they will stay fresh and green. Hey, there are so many forgotten crises around the globe, and so easily we can close our eyes, and we are so busy and keeping and doing our own stuff, and I think for us, the church, it's very crucial that we take a break and just think for a moment about all the promises that God has given us and is attached. If you do this, if you're going after the one person and that person has a name and that person has a situation and God is saying, you are blessed to be a blessing. And if we fix that one person, you are changing the whole entire world in closing of the message and I've never done it before I will not close the message with a prayer I think let's close the message with giving I think giving is also an expression God I serve you I love you I adore you and you see a QR code and just take out your smartphone and I would love to invite you just to give. Ask the Holy Spirit, how much money should I give? Because what you heard about Cambodia, about Avatsi, about all the stories, those projects are only possible because we are a generous church. Here is a rule. ties we always give the ties into the local church, but beyond, beyond the ties, it's like an offering. And I just want to challenge you to give a big offering for those people like in Cambodia or Afad, say around the world, they are in need. What would happen if we as an entire church for the next week, we say we're not going out for dinner, we're going out to drink a coffee. We save for one week the money, then at the end of the week, we just donate that money for those partners in need. I have never closed a message with an order called of giving. But I felt in my spirit and I want to be obedient. It's maybe not, it's not like manipulation. It's really like God has given me that, the calling like the heartbeat just to ask you boldly to be a part in the changing world game of God Almighty. The band is playing a song and worship and praising God can be also like an action of giving. And then I would love to lead you into Jesus is saying, go into the world and preach the Gospel. Bring the good news to every nation, to every tribe, to all the people. This is like a commandment of God Almighty. To be quite honest, sometimes it's so overwhelming. Maybe you're living in a small village or you're living some in a place. There are, not, there are not so many Christians. But if you just turn the world around, it always starts with one person. If you want to grow your church into a big church, just win one person, train them, teach them, make them do strong disciples, send them out and they win the second person. And multiplication takes place because one by one and one by one and one by one. I love this idea. Jesus told the story about the one the sheep and he left the 99, but he went after the one's sheep. And that seems to be a principle of God Almighty, if you want to change the world change one sheep go off that one seek what is lost find it and take care for that one lost sheep or lost coin or lost nation hey i would love to ask the holy spirit and i love the holy spirit because he is the one who can Give you a vision, who could be that person or a whole could be that nation or a tribe. Maybe God is giving you right now a passion for a nation, a passion for a tribe or a passion for some people or for the one person. Holy Spirit, here are we. Here we are. And I just want to ask you right now, just give me a revelation about the one person that God has called me to be for that one person hope, healing, redemption, even though salvation. I cannot do everything Why I can do at least one thing. And I seek you, will God. I'm looking for it to be a messenger on your behalf. Wherever you are online, just take this moment and just give the Holy Spirit enough room right now that He can speak to you for the one person. You know why is this important and crucial? Because many, many years ago, God has given one family a passion to pray for me. And every single morning they prayed for me. And even I never met them. They just had this feeling to pray for me. And they prayed for around two years. And one evening they invited me to, into their home. And that father explained to me Jesus and the cross. And I never heard about Christ. I never heard about salvation. And that evening I handed over my life to Christ. And you know why I'm so thankful? Because there has been one family who was obedient. They were able to listen to the Holy Spirit. And every single day they just prayed in obedience, in faith, that God knows what He's doing. And that one person is me.